There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 46% of Americans expect to leave behind financial obligations when they pass away. So it's crucial to make sure your family is financially protected. Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed, award winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com. Oh, hey, everybody. It's uh, me, Ben O'Brien, and uh, we're back for Quarantine Cast Daily number... What do we got, Phil? Eight? Eight. Number eight. Number eight. We've got my good friends, Sam Sohold. He was back and he, he kicked us off way back last week when times were different. And uh, our other good friend, Shane Dorian, big wave surfer, one of the best big wave surfers in the world, has done some amazing... Uh, work and, and surfing is a legend there, but also is one of the more passionate bow hunters you'll ever meet. So we're going to talk about our first trip to Lanai and how that went. It's a great conversation, so you enjoy it. But before we do all that, Phil, um, how much toilet paper do you have at your house right now? Um, are you going to rob me tonight? What's happening here? Uh, I'm prepared. <laughs> no, no, Phil. Please give me some credit. I have discovered an online toilet paper calculator called howmuchtoiletpaper.com. And this tool calculates how much, uh, how long your stash of toilet paper will last during a quarantine. So I just want to help you out as a public service to let you know um, exactly what how it'll, how it'll affect you. So go ahead and give me, what did, have you counted the number of rolls of toilet paper you have? Uh, I, I just did because you said this might be a thing. Um, I Damn have. It, you're ruining. You're ruining. The, I, I wanted people to think it was a surprise, Phil. Well, here's the thing. I didn't. I think it'd be weird if <laughs> if I just I wanna, knew off the top of my head how many rolls of toilet paper were in my house. I wanted um, people to think you were prepared. Okay. Well, I am, and I, I just want everyone to know that I have not bought toilet paper since this whole coronavirus thing started. Um, but. Uh, I currently have 23 rolls of toilet paper in my house. 23 rolls. So you were hoarding before it was cool. Is what you're I saying? just happened to buy a ton of toilet paper right before everything, uh, uh-huh. the, all, all uh-huh. of the shit hit the fan. Right, right. It was yep. a, it was a it was a nice coincidence. What are the toilet visits per day per person in your home? I know you have a family of four. So what would well, this what is would getting this is getting toilet, a little personal now. I don't the know. number the number two <clears throat> visits per day. To the toilet okay 
Well, I'm not going to count the uh, one-year-old. He is still wearing diapers. Okay, um, that's good. Uh, let's, man. You have your wife, yourself, and your chi- other child. Uh-huh. And what about Mango? Does Mango use toilet paper, or does he go in the yard? We've been trying to train Mango. Uh, she she ref- she cannot. She does not have opposable thumbs, it's, so okay. it's not going well. Well, not let's, a great dog. Let's... <laughs> I'm going to say f- four. Let's say four. Okay. That's a healthy number. Uh, well, I mean like four total, not four per person. Oh, four per person. So one total per person a day. Well, I'd say like probably one f- for the adults and two for the the younger kid. I'm going to yep. guess. Okay, so you... I also don't track my, my wife's bowel movements, so... <laughs> Ah, uh, well, you should get it. I have a spreadsheet going. Uh, okay. It's really, you should yeah, it's a, go ahead and forward yeah. that to me. I'll, uh, I'll yeah, use it as a, a template for myself. It's a, yeah, it's a Google Doc. We can all get in there together. Oh, uh, great. Let's share it. All right. You're, you, drumroll, please. Uh, there it is. Uh, you're, we were not going to put a drumroll in there. Uh, your toilet paper will last 92 days. Okay. 92 days. I've got I've got some time then. Yeah, so you've got uh, roughly three months of toilet paper stashed away. Uh, you so you were hoarding before hoarding was cool. So congratulations, Phil. Do you do you know what? Did you look what kind you have? Is it three ply, uh, Charmin? You know What's, it's Charmin. I don't know because they kind of. I just they they sell two kinds of Charmin at Costco. One is like this one's softer, but this one's stronger. And I think ooh. the stronger one was on sale, <laughs> so I bought that one. <laughs> I don't know the ply, but I I know that it's 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 hefty. Also, we, we talked about this in the show. We did talk about this website in the show as well, but uh, bidets are on the rise, Phil. There's been a spike in bidet purchases across the country. You know, I've always been bidet curious, but I think I might have to pull the pull the trigger. Pull the trigger. Soon. Yeah. So do do your research. There's uh, a lot of options out there. And I, I've never, I don't know that I've ever used a bidet. Have you? I have not. No, that's yeah. I've been. I, I, you know, it's one of those things where you first hear about it and you're like, oh, weird and gross. But then, yeah, I don't know. You sit on it for a while, pun pun intended, and you think, yeah, that's that's not it's not a half bad idea. I it like might it. feel might feel all right. All right. Well, before that, that's enough of that talk, uh, Phil. You, it's inappropriate. Uh, all of that's inappropriate. Let's just have okay. to cut that out. Cut that out of the show. We'll do. Um, we have decided. We have made a decision here, an official decision from the uh, THC Congress, the board of directors here at THC. It's basically just me um, that we're going to do this for another week. We were unsure how many weeks we would we would do the THC Daily Quarantine Cast, but we've had so much good feedback. Uh, a lot of people have been writing in every day. There's so many hand turkeys flying in um, that we feel like we can do this for another week keep everybody afloat hopefully as this helps you through your time so we're gonna this week and next week so you roughly have if today's wednesday you roughly have eight more daily quarantine casts to take in before we go back to our regularly scheduled program here at thc so just just a little public service announcement that's what we plan to do of course as with everything in the pandemic things could always change so for all of you that are out there in the many states that are on lockdown uh, in the many countries that are on lockdown, we're going to keep doing this um, for another eight eight episodes. You think you can hang with us there, Phil, for that long? Uh, I w- I will be there. Also, you told me I have no choice. You absolutely have no choice. So, okay. 
Phil will hang on with us as long as I say, and we'll be here to do our best to entertain you and tell you hunting stories until the end of next week, all the way into April. So stick with us, but enjoy this one. Shane Dorian and Sam Soholt. Quarantine cast number eight. Hey, Shane Dorian. Good morning. I don't know if it's morning where you are, but good morning. It's. I don't know what it is. I'm. I've been drinking White Claw all day, so I'm not sure what time it is. <laughs> Sam Sohold, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back on during the quarantine cast. Yeah, the quarantine cast has been going well. We're still quarantined. Uh, Shane Dorian just told us he was at the beach. Uh, so tell us about that, Shane Dorian. Yeah. So there's a big official statewide lockdown in hawaii which means you get to go surfing as much as you want <laughs> i'm not kidding that, that's exactly what the governor said so um, i love i love hawaii so it's much pretty, pretty funny but uh yeah so we've been to hold up at the house a bit more than usual spending spending more time at home and spending a lot of time with the family and stuff and uh but yeah i just came from the beach the surf was good and uh, i'm gonna do a podcast with you guys and i'm gonna head back down <laughs> well, thank I love you, it, man. That's awesome. Th- thank you for allowing us to be your break. Uh, stay yeah. hydrated. Stay hydrated. I, don't I will. Want you to dump I will for muscle. sure. Um, so tell us, Shane. Those of you that don't know Shane, uh, one of the best big wave surfers of all time out of Hawaii. Uh, you can go back to listen to our podcast with him last year. So we'll take a quick moment for you to do that. And we're back now. You know everything about Shane. You need to know. Uh, <laughs> It's uh, Shane, tell us a little bit about kind of like your setup during your quarantine and and what how you're how you're processing this and dealing with it. I think we already know, but give us more detail. Probably like most people out there, I you know I think I think we're all spending more time in our homes and probably had to cancel a lot of things that we had planned. I had a bunch of you know surf trips planned and you know different things that I had scheduled during this time, and so all that just kind of got put on hold and. You know, this this thing is kind of radical because it doesn't really doesn't care if you're a, um, you know, like a, a homeless person or a or a U.S. senator. Like, um, it seems like it's sort of affecting every single person on the planet at this point. If not right now, then it will be soon. So yeah, just spending more time with the family, and um, luckily the surf is pretty uncrowded around where I live, so you're able to still surf and still keep keep your distance from other people. So. That's kind of what I've been up to, but a lot of Monopoly and board games and trying to yeah. exercise in my house and, and uh, not get too fat. How are the kiddos doing? <laughs> they're good, man. Um, yeah, they're, they're super good. My, my daughter's been doing tons of arts and crafts and organize, organizing and stuff like that. And, and uh, me and my son have just been spending a lot of time in the water, so it's been good. Good, good, good. Uh, Sam, we checked with you last week, but uh, yep. give us an update. I'm assuming you're in, where are you, South Dakota? I am in North Dakota right now. Yep. So I have just been, kind of, it's been crappy weather, so I've just kind of been like riding out the gray and uh, staying home, being fairly productive so far, getting some much-needed video editing work done before turkey season starts. And texted me, texted me all kind of memes. And, yeah, uh, I get bored and I come up with memes on my own, so... <laughs> I, I have been sharing those as I go. Um, <laughs> you can't leave me by myself. No. Like 
you know, locked up, I just come up with the most ridiculous shit. <laughs> Sam, you no. have a lot of energy, dude. I remember that about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You <laughs> got a, a little ball <laughs> energy. That's, that's what right. I call them. Yep. It's it's a uh, it's 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 a little bit strange that this this quarantine and and this time is uh, is sort of coming when there's not really a hunting season. Is that right? It's yeah, it because is. If it, a was elk, bit. if it was elk season, like all the all the public land would be closed, correct? It's hard to say. Like uh, you know, states like <clears throat> Illinois have closed down some state parks and stuff. Yeah, which you know, a lot of people are up in arms about. But honestly it's because they have to have a staff at a lot of those state parks. And a lot of times there's like a big parking lot and they don't want people congregating, but yeah. it'd be hard to say for like national forest, you know, what do you do? I mean, it's not like most of the time when people go to the forest, they're attempting to stay away from other people. Oh yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what would happen if there was a, yeah. I was actual, curious. Yeah. It's been, it's been a big, it's been a big issue and a big boon for state parks and national parks where there's facilities like mm-hmm. they have that have, and employees that have to keep up those facilities. But as far as I know, national forests have kind of, and, and some of these more wilderness designated areas have been unaffected and, but it would be strange. We were talking about that yesterday, Shane, like if this happened in September, what would it look like for us hunters? I just I have no way to know if we hopefully we don't have to worry about that when September turns we can be talking about this in the past but it's a strange thing nonetheless I think that I'm not sure I don't know what you think Shane but I'm not sure I could leave my family for a long time right now and be be out of touch like I normally would when I'm hunting yeah I you know it's definitely just a time I think a time where it's it's kind of a no-brainer to spend the time with the family and and I think any time where you have a a great excuse to to not go to work so much is a good time and you know if if you can if you're in a position where you can spend more time with the family and it doesn't um take you to financial ruin then then it's a good thing so it's just it's a it is a weird time though it's it's pretty crazy I've never watched the news before dude I I never <laughs> ever watched the news I don't have television at my house so Every now and then I'll like open up like an app on my phone, like a news app. So I'll get my news, but it's strange to actually watch like CNN or Fox news. And, um, it's, it's pretty hilarious, dude. Like, um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of shocking. Like to watch those, it's all, it's not even news. It's just entertainment. So, um, I've been, I've been watching a bit of news, staying entertained. I've had a few rants on this daily podcast about the news, and I because same I'm same as you. I don't watch it. I mean, I just I never do. I don't have to see any value in it. And now that I'm trying to get informed, every time I turn it on, I just get angry. Yeah, I, it's, yeah. I don't know. Like Sean Hannity, what is he doing? Like, <laughs> I love how is that he? Guy, dude, he's amazing. He's so out there <laughs> and so extreme and so out of his mind that I love it. It's just pure entertainment. So. I, I, I don't know. I mean, if I actually want the news, I'll watch like BBC World News. And I, I think that's actual news. But Sean Hannity and um, and I mean, most of the stuff that's on television is is basically just propaganda as far as I'm concerned. But it's it is it's funny propaganda. So, well, I Sean Hannity, entertainment. Sean Hannity is slowly turning into Donald Trump. I don't every time like people get <laughs> triggered when you say Donald Trump. But I, I've never I've never watched Sean Hannity before. And I turned him on. I'm like, well, he's orange. And he's using all the same f- phrases. And he's got the same di- dictation in his voice, diction in his, like the way he talks, his cadence. He sounds like Donald Trump. 
I was yeah. like, this guy's slowly morphing into our president. Nobody noticed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just googled some pictures of him and i would say that's correct <laughs> yeah google like google if if anybody is caught on to this because he's slow he's got like jet white teeth and he's slowly becoming trump and i think probably that's probably on purpose there's about ten thousand people listening to this podcast right now that are just up in arms furious throwing stuff at their at their uh <laughs> at you, Ben. At your, at your, at your they're just face. smashing they're just their phones. Huge, That's they're just huge Hannity uh, supporters and Hannity fans. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd like to court the Hannity vote here. Uh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> I, I think the most interesting thing is to like watch both sides of it and see how, like, how far apart they are. It's unreal like how divided and like the message like yeah. from each side i mean you like kind of bring that back to the middle and you might get somewhere close to what we're actually looking at it makes That's it much game. more fun though how biased it is you know it's funny mm-hmm. to watch you just can't it's take a, it seriously it's a game you can play with yourself you can flip on cnn and then flip on fox news and then go back and forth give it about 10 minutes each and yeah. If you do that, if you do that for an hour you immediately pass out from exhaustion <laughs> <laughs> i've been doing that a lot lately I'm sure everybody has. I love it. Well, I like I've been on the news today. I turned it on before we we hit record here. Uh, A couple of things I saw. I just wanted to run by you guys. Are you guys both good? Uh, Sam, you were the first person to alert me of the toilet paper shortages. This was like two (laughs) weeks ago, I think. Uh huh. Uh, So right now, there's been a spike in bidet purchases around the world. Oh man. Uh, every two minutes, this company called Brondell is selling a, a bidet on Amazon every two minutes. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> They're about 3,000 units per day. Uh, so <laughs> if, you're, if you're out there and you like bidets, you can go for that. But there's also a website called the Online Toilet Paper Calculator, howmuchtoiletpaper.com, a website created uh, so you can calculate how long your stash of toilet paper will last during the quarantine. Oh my god! See, see, this coronavirus is is sparking innovation, and <laughs> that's, and uh, that's right. So nobody on the on this call is worried about their toilet paper stash. No, I'm I'm set. I'm good. <laughs> I live in the Shit. woods, dude. I my, my house is in the in the woods. So if I need to, I'll just go go to the woods like I normally do when I'm bow hunting. Yep, you and you have a lot of those big like. Big different like banana leaf trees and stuff. I probably said that wrong. Never-ending <laughs> <laughs> toilet paper rolls out in the yeah. woods. Yeah. So here in North Dakota, they just had an article out where, like, you know, there's like quote unquote flushable wipes, yep. and they're not actually flushable. So, uh, like, there was a photo of like this massive clog, like that hanging from like a wire that they had to like use a giant snake in the sewer system to pull it out. Wow. The the city had clogged the sewer system. With um, non-flushable wipes. Quote, um, unquote, uh, flushable. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so well, are you guys on, on complete lockdown where you are? Are you guys like going outside to shoot your bows or what? Sam? Uh, yeah, we're not on complete lockdown. In North Dakota, they haven't, they've shut down you know, bars and restaurants except for takeout, but everything else is open. And, yeah, same here. Uh, I, would, I would say the majority of people in this state are, uh, I shouldn't say majority. There's a lot of people not taking it very seriously. And, uh, you know, living life like they typically do. Like St. Patty's Day, the bars were absolutely packed downtown. Wow. Um, and then the next day they closed down bars and restaurants. So, 
Yeah, same same here. We're not completely locked down, but there, you know, we've just been. There's so many places to go outside in Montana for sure that you know, no different than Hawaii, I'm sure, Shane. But you know, there's just really no excuse to go out and do anything like that at this point. You can do a million things here um, without being anywhere near six feet from someone. So. The the only issue here is the trailheads. Usually the trails aren't six feet wide, so mm-hmm. when we go hiking, you kind of have to have a wide berth. But beyond that, everything's fine. And every restaurant, if we order takeout from a restaurant, man, they're the most grateful people that I've ever seen. When you yeah, go yeah. spend money at a local, I wonder. Place. I wonder what like how much like Uber Eats and Postmates and like what has what's the percentage increase on that in the last two weeks? Yeah, crazy. Those uh-huh. businesses are crushing it. Mm-hmm. DoorDash, yep, yeah. exactly. Well, yeah. you just, here's the the thing that struck me the most that I was reading about is like you look at some of the the pollution uh, coming out of China, major cities in China, major city like New York City. You know, they they were showing uh, infrared maps of the the heat zones for pollution, and and it's almost it's I think it's down thirty to forty percent. You can barely see it in those heat maps because nobody's out creating any. Um, same thing with noise pollution. There, people can hear birds they never heard before. They can hear sounds in these cityscapes that they never heard. So, I mean, we're just creating these completely new environments to ex- to experience these pl- these things in these places, which to me is a little freaky. So you're saying we're the problem? <laughs> I'm not going to say and, it. <laughs> and the solution all at the same time. We, were, we already got those Hannity people up in arms. Now they think we're environmentalists. <laughs> Yeah, we're, people can think what they want. It's okay. We're, 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 we're just we're all out here trying to protect what we all love to do. So. That's right. That's right. Well, beyond the toilet paper and all that stuff, I wanted to tell a hunting story because uh, that's better than anything right now. Hunting stories mm-hmm. can be can be some sort of medicine, and it all starts. I'm going to try to play this video, and if it it all starts with a video that was created by myself and Joe Rogan and and John Dudley. <laughs> In Vegas, right? In Vegas. I have the video. We'll see if you guys can hear it. Um, I'm not sure how to make that happen, but I'm going to put it, I'll put it up to the screen so you can hear it. Jane Dorian, we're looking to come to Hawaii and experience Axis deer hunting on Lanai. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, I fucking want to do it. (laughs) The plan is 6 a.m. to noon Axis deer whacking noon two until we fall asleep. Food and drink. Are you in big wave surfer? (laughs) 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 That last uh, scream was me. That was me. Uh, So I went a little deep on the tequila that evening uh, in Vegas. So that's where this, this, I guess this hunting story kind of starts at uh, me, Rogan, Dudley, were you at that dinner, Sam? I was, oh, yeah, I think so, actually. And I'm guessing that's not during uh, Sober October. No, that was uh, Blackout January. <laughs> you know, I, no, I was not at that dinner that time. That was Blackout January. Uh, <laughs> we, we went to dinner with, uh, I believe Under Armour took us to dinner in, in Vegas at SHOT Show. And uh, the great and powerful Andy Stumpf. If you guys don't know Andy Stumpf, he was just on Rogan's podcast the other day. Um, he's a crazy person, former Navy SEAL, base jumper, uh, crazy individual. He crashes the dinner and gets and just orders, I don't know how many bottles of tequila, and pass shots around. 
And next thing I know, I'm screaming in a video to Shane Dorian <laughs> <laughs> about how much it is that I want to come to Lanai and hunt axis deer. Um, do you have any re- recollections on that, Shane? I do. I remember getting that voicemail and uh, it was the next day and I never checked my voicemails, but I checked my voicemail and um, I remember cracking up and just calling you guys, just tripping out. And I talked to Joe and he was, he was fired up, but um, yeah, it was, it was classic because you know, we, we had sort of talked about that before, but that was the first time I kind of took you guys seriously that you guys really had it in your minds where you wanted to come into Hawaii and go bow hunting for deer. Yeah, because we had this is after we had hunted New Zealand, right, Shane? And you had told me all about Lanai when we were down hunting South Island, New Zealand, in the Alps. Yeah, and you kind of explained how cool it was, and that we needed to get over there, and kind of that it was this idyllic situation with all these uh, non-native deer running around, and the best bow hunting opportunities you could ever think of. And and you know that's a couple six eight months later, we're all drunk, and we decide that this has to happen. And uh, when did you first hear about it, Sam? Did I call you and say, take some photos of us? Yeah, exactly. I'd, uh, you called me up and you're like, hey, we've got a big group of people going over to Hawaii to hunt axis deer. And uh, if you want, you can buy a hunting license. And I was like, yeah, I'll be there. I like, could not say yes fast enough. As a photographer, Sam's one weakness is that you're like, I'll pay you $5 and then you can hunt. And that's your, he's like, yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> sold. <laughs> See, I, the, the problem with, uh, I mean, probably not a problem, but I do get the question a lot, like, you know, um, if you could choose between either having a gun or a bow or a camera in your hand, what would you choose? And I'm always going to choose the weapon every time, 100%. Like, I shoot photos so I can hunt more, not the other way around. <laughs> O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild, but searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today because trust me there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth 
There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. <laughs> so yeah, whenever I would call Sam and be like, hey man, I, you know we're going on a trip, we're doing it. I'd love to come take some photos. Uh, if I could get him a tag, I could also get a I could get myself a discount on the <laughs> on the uh, photography rates. That's why I love you, Sammy. Um, yep. Well, the the first time we ever that, like on that trip with Rogan up in BC, I was like, we need to come back, and I want to have a tag. And you, I remember you going, now that's the kind of photographer I want in camp. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, yep. <laughs> I don't want somebody riding on the sidelines. Yeah, man. Um, so Shane, you want to give everybody a, a rundown on Lanai, the island, kind of uh, the same kind of the hype explanation you gave me when we were when we were hunting together that got us so excited about it. Yeah, I think I just kind of, kind of, um, probably overhyped it at the time to you guys, but you know, at the at the time, you know, and that was a little bit of a different time, but um, at the time, I was going over to Lanai three or four times a year. And, and I have a really a couple of really good friends that live there full time that are um, Lanai residents. And they just, it's the only place in Hawaii that has um, like legally broken up areas for archery that you can get a tag. Um, you know, that's good for the whole year. Like you can basically hunt 365 days a year there with your bow. And there's a lot of great archery opportunities there. And um it's fun to be able to share that with friends and there's a lot of deer there. there's high high numbers of deer so many in fact that they need to call the deer a lot so um so it's just a lot of fun to bow hunt because there's not really a limit and you can just have a blast and um so i just wanted you guys to come experience it and and um just you know hunting hunting access deer and 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 for me they're 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 probably one of my very favorite animals to hunt they're incredibly challenging and incredibly delicious and beautiful creatures and to experience them in the rut and to see those big bucks screaming their heads off and fighting and um they're just a blast to hunt and really hard make you want to make you want to buy a gun if you hunt them with a bow <laughs> yeah. yeah and it's it's one of those situations the one is definitely it's a ninety thousand acre island um but you're hunting kind of the, we're hunting in the center of the island there's a big flat plain looks like a botanical garden i think sam one time described it to me mm-hmm. and they call it the serengeti uh is that right is it the serengeti something like that yeah uh, yeah. yeah they call it the serengeti and it's just it's it's uh it's full i don't know how many deer per square yard there's <laughs> but there's thousands of deer there's thousands of deer i mean you can't you can't walk 10 feet without spooking a deer it's yeah, a, but what happens when you spook one deer? They all oh. run to the water oh. and swim to the mainland. <laughs> <laughs> it, sounds, uh, it sounds really easy the way you're you're the, the way you're explaining yeah. it, and no, and if you I, don't so, set oh. foot in there, if you just pull up on the side of the road and you glass it, you, you just go. That's got to be the easiest hunt in the world. And right, if so you have a rifle in your hand, I think it is. 
So I yes. would like to use a coronavirus analogy in comparison to scaring one axis deer. So each axis deer that you scare will scare on average three to five other axis deer. And <laughs> as they run away, those three to five also scare three to five. And all of a sudden you have 500 to 1,000 deer running away, making a very shrill, high-pitched like sound back at you, which is a just a... Man, it's just really like a, just F you, which is kind of funny and awesome all at the same time. Can, can let's you hear give it, Sam. Us, let's, let's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> give it to us, Sam. Excuse me. All right. So I've been, I, I, I should have been practicing before this. I had it down when I was on, on the island. But uh, uh, so the scared axis deer sounds like this. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> hey! That's pretty yeah. accurate. Hey! Yeah. Well, they yeah, basically so, bark at you, right? So yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. So they call yep. their, you know, when they're in the rut, they roar. Um, and you want me to do that one too? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> How cool is it though when you can when you're just sitting there and you're kind of like in the middle of the day and you're kind of sitting there eating your sandwich and all of a sudden you hear that like hundred yards away and you're just like. Instantly yeah. in like stock mode where you just thought there was nothing for miles. And it's just, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, well, okay, boys, I, uh, on a scale of one to 10, is uh, like between all your hunting experiences collectively, hunting access deer in Hawaii on a scale of one to 10, factoring in like the, the challenge, the meat quality, the, the, the super fun times socially with, friends and like just the as far as like having a blast bow hunting for deer yeah i mean i last based on my last time there uh a (laughs) (laughs) 9.9 yeah i mean it's a it's well it's definitely over a nine that hunt is you just it's you can't describe how good it is and and you know it's just like you said, Shane, when you if you were to look across that landscape, you would think, "Oh, there's a simple hunt. It's a it's flat as a pancake, but there's a lot of uh, flora. There's a lot of cover to belly crawl to get down to get close. Um, but there's so many deer, and they're so on edge. They were trained that way in their native ranges of India by Bengal tigers, and it's it baked in their genetics to be spooky." Uh, probably the spookiest animal I've ever hunted, and it's not even close. But if you would, if you would just like imagine Sam's analogy of like a virus spreading, one deer spooks, and next thing you know, it's over, and you have to sit there and sadly watch. I don't know how many groups of like a hundred deer I will. I sat and just sadly watched run off. Uh, who knows? Countless. Well, and it's, and it's funny because when, when you're bow hunting in there and I've, I've bow hunted there with no group where it was just me a lot of times. And I went from like being able to glass literally at one time, 1500 deer at once, like from, from one place where I was standing, I was glassing 1500 deer and within 15 minutes, there wasn't a single deer there because I spooked them all, you know, like just one, one bunch spooked like four more bunches and they all just kept spooking all the way until there was like basically none left in that whole zone. And I just was sitting there just going, what? And of course there were still deer in there, but it was just amazing how fast they can 
it can go from they're all out there frolicking and feeding to they're all running full speed like they got shot out of a cannon. Oh, I know. You could go on a week-long mule deer hunt and not spook, spook a mule deer. Like, I've done that. You yeah. hunt mule deer for five or six days and not spook one or spook a, just a few here and there. And you have to deal with that as like a failure. What what axes deer hunting is, especially on Lanai, is just successive fail like failure, then another failure, then another failure, then another failure, and eventually you get lucky enough to put an arrow in one. Um, and it's a huge thing. But I remember the first time I went out there, I didn't know how long to belly crawl, but I felt like, well, if I just keep belly crawling this direction, <laughs> if I just stay, <laughs> if I just plant my ass in the red dirt and I stay and I just crawl south with the wind in my face, I'll eventually come on a good shot. But that almost never happens. Can you imagine living there full time and having like a, a normal, say like a nine to five or like a normal, a normal job where like you get off work and you can go bow hunt deer every single day, 365 days a year and almost guaranteed get under 50 yards of a deer every single day of your life and have no limit. As far as <laughs> and they just be yeah, and you have Bob. We'll talk about Bob the butcher. We should. But imagine definitely. how how crazy your your like learning curve acceleration would be as a bow hunter. To th- think of the amount of experience and 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 interactions with deer and like actual great opportunities of drawing your bow back and like you know picking a spot and going through your whole shot process and belly crawling and learning when to draw and all that stuff. Like how 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 much experience like it's arguable that like Jason Medeiros who's a really good friend of mine who lives on Lanai who basically bow hunts probably five days a week for the last 30 years it's 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 like realistic to think that he's probably bow hunted more than almost anyone on earth um there's not very many people who have probably bow hunted as much as him and he's probably has more experience than most people do in their whole lives you know in in like a in like a two-year period yeah brother Jay um I, yeah, you're right about that, and and the other thing is it's it's spot and stalk bow hunting for sure, but it's also if you can learn that animal and kind of pattern the unpatternable in in terms of how many deer there are and where they're going to be and where you need to be, where the wind's going to be predominantly because you're dealing with you know like winds off the ocean. Um, that is that's a next that's a skill that be, can be transferred almost anywhere, in my opinion. Just, just that, just measuring a mule deer or an elk, or a fallow deer or any other thing that uh, you and I have ever hunted, Shane. Measuring that against an axis deer, you're gonna be better. It's like lifting weights; you're gonna be stronger, and it's yeah. everything else is gonna feel lighter. Uh, yeah, that that's case. what I love about them. That's what I love about them is is every time I I hunt them, even if I'm unsuccessful, I feel like I've gotten better. Just because you have you, you get a lot of opportunities, even if you blow those opportunities you get a ton of opportunities. Like you could go mule deer hunting for a week and just get a bunch of exercise, you know? And I, I yeah. love mule deer hunting. I love mule deer. Like they're right at the top of my list, but there, there, there's, there's times where you go for days where you just feel like all you did was hike from ridge to ridge and glass, you know? Yeah. Which is not that bad either, but it is fun to get tons of opportunities. Yeah. That's it's. And, and I know Joe Rogan has said on his podcast and stuff he's talked about before, like it's a great practice and, People, he's told me that people give him a lot of shit about that because you're what? You want to be practicing. But he doesn't mean practicing sh- killing things. He means practicing the art of spot and stalk, big game hunting, and knowing when to draw, when to shoot, what to do. I mean, there's no, like you said, the amount of opportunity that you run into provides for the ultimate training. 
Um, and that's just a fa- the, the fact of how it is. It reminds me a lot of spot and stock antelope hunting, but it, like tenfold. Yeah. Um, and it's just to be able to like be like, like you guys are saying, like just to be on stocks all day, every day, like you just start to learn and pick stuff up and do different stuff like the whole way through and you get better, you get better every single time you're out there. That's right. So do you, uh, Shane, do you remember that first hunt? I remember gathering at the condos there on the island. It was Dudley, me, you, Sam, <coughs> Joe, and Joe, I think, was the whole crew that time. Um, I didn't know what to expect. I have a story of making the best shot of my life that was almost a silly. It was as much luck as it was determination. But I had, I personally had been practicing in my backyard in Texas at 80 yards every night. I would go out and shoot the self-target at 80 yards every night. Boom, boom, boom. And I felt pretty good about going into it um, after what you had said, you know, about the opportunities, about how hard it was. And I was pretty pumped up. Like, with our crew, I knew that, you know, with your your experience on the island, with, you know, anybody who knows who John Dudley is, he's one of the best uh, bow shots that you're going to find. And and here we were trying to trying to accomplish this. And I didn't want to mess it up, so I'd been practicing my ass off. And I was kind of, it was, I was pretty nervous going into it. Well, you remember that, Shane? Kind of like how we came, how we were gonna attack this first hunt. Yeah, I remember just, you know, really wanting you guys to have a lot of transparency to what you were getting into. You know, like every time I go hunting somewhere I've never been before, or hunting an animal I've never hunted before i, I want to know everything like i want to know about the terrain what kind of boots i need to use what kind of what kind of clothes to bring like whether it's like a, a cold weather hunt whether i need to bring rain gear like what kind of pack i want details so i try to be really transparent and you know exactly what to expect and i was like dude it's gonna be hot it's gonna be crap loads of animals and it's gonna be hard as hell so if you can shoot 60 yards and you can belly crawl you're gonna get a lot of opportunities so um I remember just, it's really a simple hunt. You just, it's really, really challenging and you got to be able to stay super low, go super slow. And it, it helps so much if you can shoot far. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I, the first that we went out, it was me and you together. I remember the first time that I got to hunt and it was, it was an education just there. You immediately, we got out of the truck and walked like 20 yards into the, into the bushes and you already had your face maxed up and you were on your hands and knees. And I was looking around, I'm like, um, what are you doing, man? <laughs> uh, you want to glass a little bit? You want to look around? Let's maybe like check the wind. And you were just, I look up and you were just crawling off <laughs> in one direction. I'm like, okay, man, I guess I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Get down, get down. Yeah, it's like a war zone in there, dude. They're, yeah. they're literally, and they're kind of smaller animals and the grass is kind of tall and, so they hide really well. And it's not like mule deer where like, you're like, hey, there's a buck and two does or there's three bucks right there. It's like, you know, like with axis deer, if you see five, there's probably 35, you know? And yeah. It's hard for me. I don't know about you guys. I don't, Sam, I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to remember specific stalks from those hunts because there's so many. I just remember like, <laughs> I remember like a series of failures when Shane was there. But I don't remember the specific, like, oh, this buck, he looked like this, and he was doing what this. What are you trying to say? Was that my fault that there was a, a, <laughs> was a lot of failures? No. <laughs> when Shane was there. But I remember <laughs> Shane, I, I remember you saying, like, we should split up. 
(laughs) (laughs) I'm always saying that, dude. Yeah, I know, I know. So being being the photographer, like obviously, like there were so many stocks. Like when I was shooting photos of somebody else, that a lot of those like kind of all blur together. But because I had so limited time, like to hunt for myself, uh, I definitely remember those more clearly because I wasn't doing it, you know, for the full five days or whatever. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, like well, and us, it helps that I have all the pictures, you know, to go back through and check it all out too. Well, give us Sam before we get into mine. Give us your kind of your first uh, access to your own Lanai kill. Yeah. So um, you and I were hunting together. Really? And that's interesting. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe you don't remember that. Um, so it was, uh, I don't know, I think it was the third day of that first year. And there's like a big flat, um, that they dropped us off on. And basically there's a road that like on the South side of the road, it's kind of like shorter shrubbery. Um, and that first year it was actually really short and there was like a few tall bushes here and there. Um, but to the North of that road was like, uh, I remember Remy Warren saying like in those trees is infinity deer. Um, but every night they would come out of the trees and cross that road and go into this, this, you know, lower stuff to go eat. And you and I, um, got dropped off and we were a little bit late. And so the deer were already starting to pile out of that. And we snuck down and got kind of behind this big bush. And there were a few that were coming out across the road and they were going to walk semi close to us. And you were like, Hey man, just go for it. So I got on my belly and I crawled 60, 70 yards to the next bush and, um, they were still moving kind of like quartering to us and I was stayed on my belly and got another 50, 60 yards to like just really tiny bushes. And there was a really big buck at like 75 yards and, but he was kind of moving through the brush and there was a, a good buck at 52 yards, but he was facing straight away from me. And uh, but I knew I could get in position and get like settled in and draw back when he turned the right direction. So I just forgot about this giant buck, you know, a 32 inch axis deer and put all my focus into this other deer. And finally he turned, I drew back, shot, made a good shot. He ran, I don't know, 70 yards and died. And you came over and we're walking over to find him. And Alec called us our guide. And uh, he goes, you shot the wrong one. <laughs> It's like that other one was way bigger. <laughs> and so I uh, uh, let just a tiny bit of the wind out of the sails at my first ever axis deer. But uh, like still, like I laugh about it to this day. Like just he could not figure out why I would have taken the shot <laughs> on a smaller buck, um, even though it was the shot that I had. But yeah, like, I mean, just happened to make the right moves at the right time and didn't scare him before I got the shot off. I oh, know. It's great for me sitting back and watching that because you killed – the the following year i think it's the following or the year after mm-hmm. whatever the next time we went you killed a deer in, in almost nearly the same spot like maybe yeah i mean probably a hundred yards from where i killed that first year yeah i mean you could have seen each deer you know and so i, I remember that being funny in the second one but for this one i just got to sit there and watch this all go down and i was thinking the same thing if i was being honest i'm like oh he's gonna get that he's gonna take a shot at that big one he's just, just all you gotta do is crawl in the next bush you know, you couldn't, at this point, I, I just want to be like, Sam, just crawl left. Go left. <laughs> and, you, and I, I couldn't know, move. <laughs> yeah, and I appreciated, like, when you, you told me the story, like, I just couldn't, from my angle, I thought for sure you were just going to keep crawling. Yeah. But when you stood up and shot that deer, I couldn't have been more excited because I know, um, I had already killed a buck at that point, but I knew 
um, from everyone else in camp how hard that was. And that was like that was your first attempt, right? Your first stock. It was actually my second, um, and the but the first attempt. Uh, I'll be honest, I shoulder punched one and <laughs> did not get him. Oh yeah, I remember that now. It's all coming. That was back like a, that was like a thirty five second stock. Like you guys like threw me out of the pickup and I basically sprinted as hard as I could to get in position and he uh you know, they're fast, so they whirled around and I didn't I didn't make it happen. Yeah. But but I mean it's it's to the point where these things have the quick twitch muscle uh of it's otherworldly. And so you know, I've had you and I we I guess we'll tell the story later on of, of my uh of my shot. <laughs> what, what did I say to Sam? Bomb city. Bomb city. I, sh- <laughs> I shot, I shot at this, this uh, doe at probably like 40 yards or, or less. And she ducked my air. Like it wasn't even a problem. I've never seen anything like it. And you know, of course I yelled bomb city as I let it go. That might've been the problem. That might've been the problem. But yeah, Sam gets his first buck and it was a nice. It was a, a really nice stag. I found out earlier last week when I was talking to Callahan about uh, access to here that it's it, it actually is stag and doe, uh, and that's that's the, actually the nomenclature. So anyway, stag and doe. But you, we, I walk up with your stag. I'm like, to me, that's a giant. I'm no I'm no uh, expert with access to here, but the one you killed was a wall hanger to me. Oh yeah, he's a cool, super dark horned uh, buck. I mean, I I'm still proud of him. Yes, and I got so I guess I could tell mine now, like, because I think I was had just been with Shane, and Shane, as he said earlier, always wants to split up. He's like, let's always split up. You go this way, I'll go that way. Um, I think this was the afternoon of the first day, and I had missed uh, a, a, an easy shot on a small buck, it was about a thirty-nine yard shot on a buck. I had no idea I was there. I had snuck up on this little berm. He was right below me. I stood up to draw. He didn't see me. Other deer had run, but he didn't see me, and I just shot right over his back. There was no reason for me to have missed. I was really dejected. I wasn't really used to missing like that. Um, but as Shane said, like you turn, I turn. I, I remember flipping around on the berm and looking out to the east, and there was a thousand deer there. I had just shot and missed one, and I turned around, and there's a bunch of other deer just feeding. So I got crawled back down uh, and started belly crawling towards them, you know, in that nuclear red dirt of Lanai that just covers everything. I still have a Matthews bow that has, uh, I put black hockey tape on the grip and that hockey tape is red, like bright red. (laughs) I still have pants that the knees are stained bright red from the Lanai dirt. And so I, yeah, I'm crawling up. I got, there's a group of probably a hundred deer with a giant buck in the middle and then some satellite bucks around or stags around. I keep saying bucks, but it's stags. So I'm, I'm belly crawling and I, I get to, as you guys well know, you get to a spot and you can confer the shame where you get to like a zone where you can make no mistakes within like a hundred yards of, of a group of axes. There's no mistakes to be made, right? Yeah, definitely. And so I get to that zone and I, I pick out a buck that I know I can make a move on. So I start crawling. I get to probably 70 yards of this buck. And I look to my right, and here is uh, Axis Doe about to step on me. And so I just kind of like rolled over. She she jumps. 
it does the give me a quick uh blow there a bark there sam hey there it is that's what she did and she goes running off towards the buck and stands right with the buck so now he's looking my direction so i laid there for i don't know how long it felt like 20 minutes probably was way less than that i lay there i get my binos up i look and there's 70 deer staring right at me so i'm like well there's nothing i can do i'm stuck right here so i lay there for i don't know how long it was it was a, a pretty good while trying to get them to calm down, but you know Axis Deer, they still hadn't calmed. Like the back half of the group started to calm and go back to feeding and kind of do their normal movements. So I was feeling pretty good, and I got up on a little spot where I could draw easily from my knees without having to do anything. And this nice buck, I had been practicing at 80 yards at a broadside elk for, I don't know, eight months prior to this hunt for this exact moment. This the buck I had been watching stands up on a little mound and starts watching some does chasing each other, the opposite of my direction. So now he's standing broadside, looking the opposite way. So I draw. I'm like, this is it, man. It's 81 yards. I draw. This is what I've been practicing. I draw. I settle my pin. I feel perfect about it. No doubts. I let that thing fly. I watch it. You know how an 80 yard shot you can watch it in the air for quite a while. I watch it in the air. He doesn't twitch. He doesn't move. And it drops perfectly behind his shoulder. And he runs off into this cloud of dust, red dust and axis deer. And I get to a point where I can't see anything. It's chaos. Like there's deer growing every which direction. I probably could have shot another, shot at another two or three deer during the chaos. And I hear some kicking and some brush moving. So I just kind of walk over towards that. And I turn the corner and there lays this buck dead. He must have went 20 yards. I shot him right in the heart. Wow. Um, I never wished that somebody was with me more than that moment. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I was, I was like, I remember just thinking, how is nobody here to see this? Shane <laughs> <laughs> such a dick. You want to split up. Yeah. Shane maybe <laughs> Shane made me go by myself. Uh, <laughs> so I, I was alone. And I remember uh, one of the other guys, Brandon, was watching me from the truck and saw me shoot and drove his truck over to where the buck was. And he's like, you know, how long was that shot? And I said, I don't know. I think it was 80-some yards, and he couldn't believe it. He was losing his mind. He saw how far it went. He's like, well, it basically just fell right over. And I'm like, I know. I'm shocked as you. I was confident in the shot, but you're never confident in the result, especially this early on. Um I'll never. I would just. I'm sure I will never duplicate that. I'm sure of it. But <laughs> but you can whatever. try. I can try, and that was and my first first experience with Axis Deer. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, 
and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild, but searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today because trust me there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth there's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the sunshine state or any other destination on your fishing bucket list book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids with over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Hell yes. I love it. I love it. I remember that. I remember getting the photograph of you. And just being so psyched, going, yeah, Benny. <laughs> and I was screaming. Nobody, I was alone. I was just screaming, like, yeah, yes, I did it. <laughs> that hey, was it, man. And, and it, that's an accomplishment, man. Any deer, any access deer with a bow, you know, is, is and they're, they, there's so much that goes into it and so many little tiny things that can go wrong, any number of things, you know, and they, they tend to really move a lot when, when they hear any kind of like the string dump or like anything at all, you know, like I've, I've gotten busted doing everything, like drawing my, my, my bow back. If my, if my cams were, had too much dust in them and they did a little wah as I was drawing back, or if, my, if there was, if there was like the, the little, little thing on your rest, the little piece of whatever it is that keeps it quiet. Yeah. And that, you know, that thing was wearing out a couple different times and I got busted just going, just like drawing back and it went yeah. Like that, yep. and they just all of them ran, or all of them started barking at me. So I mean, anytime you get an arrow through an axis deer, it's a it's a win. Yeah, at that moment, I'm sure Sam was the same way. Like I just didn't know what I didn't know. I did. <laughs> My dog uh, doesn't like the garage door. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering whose dog that was. That's uh, mine. <laughs> that's the quarantine cast for you. I always, I always have uh, my kid comes in in a Batman mask every twenty minutes. Nice. That's, that's the quarantine cast. This Love is, it. It's that's all we got. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know how incredibly fortunate I had been in that scenario um, until the next year when I just I don't know how many deer I missed. Luckily, I didn't wound anything, but I just had like I, I just was so mentally out of it by the end of that trip that then I appreciated what I had accomplished the year prior to that, you know? So it takes some time. I, I know Shane, you've had so much experience with them, but it took me some time to realize exactly how hard this is, the variability of success, um, what it meant to get into the right position, 
to have it all go the way you needed it to, you know, and how rare that is for, for even an average bow hunter. Um, you know, somebody with an average skill set and, and only if you've never done it, what, what that really feels like. Can you remember the first time going over there, Shane? Um, yeah, I can. Um, I remember the, the first time I ever went over there, I went to Lanai and I had been talking with, um, Jason Medeiros on the phone and I had seen a bunch of photographs of him with a bunch of deer. And, and, um, one day, uh, you know, I, I had some guys come to my house to do, to do, they were, they were doing some painting on the outside of my house. And I started talking to one of the painters and we started talking. I had, and I had a bunch of ram skulls outside in the garage and he was talking to me about the, the ram skulls. And, and it turns out he was a hunter and he was like, man, you got to link up with my, with, with, with my cousin, Jason, he lives on, Lanai and he's a he's a hardcore bow hunter Jason Medeiros and and I said yeah man I know exactly who that is hook me up I'll go over there for sure so he gets Jason on the phone we start chatting on the phone and he says yeah man you should come visit anytime you want so about a month later I jumped on a plane to Lanai and um, Jason picked me up and I had no idea what to expect I went and got my tag my license thing and and um, we walked into the field in a public hunting area and he put me like in this little brush blind that he had built. And it was just basically a, it was like a five gallon bucket on the ground. And then like some, some brush, like I was brushed into this blind and in front of me, it was like a kind of like a road, basically like a, like a dirt, like a, like a dirt path, like a long dirt, dirt patch you could drive along. Um, and he said, you know, if you get really lucky, the deer will come out before dark. Like there's hundreds of deer in these, in these bushes across from you. And so he sat in a, blind that was like maybe 80 yards just up that you know little dirt road from me and um so i'm sitting there and i'm the whole time i'm so paranoid i was like i was so excited um and uh and every little like you know leaf that would drop and every little thing that was happening i was like is that one is that one is that one for like for an hour straight and um and and nothing came out nothing came out nothing came out and the whole time I was pinned, just like looking at everything, like, okay, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be ready. I had my, my bow at the ready. I had my arrow knocked. I had my release on because he's like, dude, you got to be really ready. All of a sudden, they'll just appear. So the whole time, I was just like totally ready. And I swear, I must have looked down for like three seconds. No joke. Like I was like looking down and looking up, looking down and looking up. Just like <laughs> <laughs> I look down, I look up and about 15 yards away, there's this monster buck and I'm talking a monster buck. I'll send you a picture of it then. And, um, he was standing there looking right at me at 15 yards away with a wide open. I never saw him come out of the bushes. I never heard him going down a trail, nothing. He just appeared in, in the wide open and I'm sitting there in a bush that wasn't really super brushed in. And I was like, Hey, I need to draw. I need to draw. And he like looked at me and he put his head kind of down halfway and started walking straight towards me. It took like three steps. Then he's like at 12 yards. And I was like, oh my God, even if I start drawing back, he's going to run. He's going to hear me. He's going to see me. Something's going on. And so I had, I had a, um, an open spot to shoot, like a shooting lane in the, in the brush. And then there was like a thick thing of brush in the middle and then a shooting lane to my right. And he turned and the whole time he was super suspicious. He was like looking at me like this as he was walking super slow. And I was just like this, like with a face mask, I was totally brushed in. And I was like, as soon as he goes right behind that middle thing of brush, I'm gonna, I have to draw. 
And the whole, and I like, as he went behind it, I closed my eyes and drew as smooth as I could. And the whole time I was like getting my anchor, I had my eyes closed. And then I opened my eyes and I was like, he's going to be gone. He's going to be gone. He's going to be gone. I opened my eyes and I saw his feet, his, his legs coming on the other side of the brush. And then he just stopped and he just was looking at me in the blind. And I remember just thinking, Hey, don't rush the shot. Don't rush, don't rush the shot. And he was at like maybe 10 yards, nine yards. And I put my first pin. He was looking right at me. I put my first pin like right here and I released that arrow and that buck just hit the dirt like this, like, like someone just took the rug on out from underneath him and he just hit the dirt. And Jason Medeiros, who I just met like an hour and a half earlier, I, I, I'd, I'd never met him in real life. He just come flying out of his blind, running full speed at me and did like a flying hug and was so excited and this monster <laughs> buck on the ground and public land. And it was just, it was probably the still probably the most excited I've ever been hunting. And, um, and I'll never forget it. Well, if anybody knows Shane, you know, I remember that first time we would all be like, Shane, we're going back for lunch with like, I have a text thread. Hey Shane, we're going to go back and get a, a burger and then come back for lunch. And Shane be like, no, I'm good. <laughs> Leave me out here amongst them. <laughs> yeah, I was going to describe my, the first year down there as a photographer, I was, uh, you know, supposed to go like on a hunt at least with every person on the trip. Never did go with Shane. <laughs> I, I was supposed to meet up with him several different either mornings or afternoons. And he's like, oh, I'm going to go by myself this morning. And then would just never come out of the field and like would see him at night. And that was it. <laughs> and it was awesome. I was like, like, just like, even when we did that podcast with Joe, the whole time you could tell he was like, oh, this is just a, this, we're, we're wasting hunting time and I hate it. <laughs> Why are we not in the field? We need to be stalking something. Yeah. Well, I, dude, I, I, you know, I mean, I don't have deer where I live. Like the hunting where I live can be pretty good, but it's like pigs and goats and some sheep and I don't have deer where I live. So I have like a real fascination, um, about deer. And so, when I get the opportunity to go somewhere like that, especially where we were hunting, we were hunting on private ground and, and, um, you know, we had the place to ourselves, even though we had a big bunch of us, that, that is the pinnacle of access to your hunting. As far as my understanding of it is, and like the place is like created for bow hunting. It was like someone designed the whole place for spot and stock bow hunting for access deer. And so for me, I've had such, so many blown stocks, so many missed shots, so many lost deer, so many, so many ups and downs and emotional roller coasters where I walked out of the, out of the field at the end of the day with like no arrows and like a deflated ego. And, and so every, (laughs) every minute of hunting time I get, I want to try and make the most of it. Um, yeah, that's kind of what that's about. It's, it's, I know you explain it like that's the reason why, but every time I've hunted with you, you're like that. And I, I remember saying that to somebody, even after we got back from New Zealand, the first time we went down there, I'm like, I met this guy. I didn't know about who he, I knew he was a big wave surfer and that he had done a lot of things. Then I started to find out some of the things he had done in his life and what he'd accomplished and where he at, where he was at, particularly in his journey. And to see somebody as accomplished as you, Shane, be so excited for every little idiosyncrasy, like every little intricate thing that has to do with bow hunting or the animal you're hunting and learning about it and, and like jumping head first into it. I don't think it matters where you are. Um, in fact, I know it doesn't. And I remember telling, I think I told my wife that I'm like, I met this guy. 
the nicest guy you've ever met, but more excited about hunting. He inspired me to get more excited about bow hunting. <laughs> uh, and I, if, if there's any reason to pick up a bow, it would be like somebody like somebody like Shane, who has traveled the world and surfed the biggest waves and done some of the most dangerous things you could in the water. So like flip and be that excited about this. You you can't. That's that's the is an as infectious as it gets when it comes to bow hunting. I also found like bow hunting pretty late in my life. I didn't start bow hunting until I was 30. And when I found it, I fell head over heels in love with it. And in Hawaii, you don't have to wait for a season. There's no, there, you're, like, it's, it's like, like you're never like, oh, I'm six months away. I need to start shooting. I should probably get a new bow this season. Or there's no season. Like you're, you're bow hunting every week if you want to, every day if you want to. And so I went from like never hunting before to like in my first year, probably hunting like 150 days. You know, like I was, <laughs> that's awesome. And I became obsessed with not being a bad bow hunter. Like I wanted to become a good bow hunter so badly. And I started like hanging out with people that I knew or who people that I met who were really good at bow hunting. And I just became obsessed with getting better at it, trying to get better at like just learning all I possibly could. And I don't know, it's been a, it's been an amazing journey. And I, and I love bow hunting right now as much as I ever have. So, yeah, no, I, I've been privileged to kind of like see parts of your journey and be there at specific points. And, um, it's, it's, like I said, it's infectious and it's, um, you know, like I said, if you don't know much about Shane and you're listening to this, you got to go back and, and watch, there's a lot of things you can watch about Shane, but you should, you should, um, was that recent documentary that was on HBO? Oh, um, momentum generation. Yeah, momentum generation. Uh, yeah. I loved it. I loved it. That that shows you a lot about you know how Shane came up and what kind of uh, life he had prior to his bow. His you're an adult onset bow hunter, man. Yes, I mean absolutely. Um, and it's it's funny because we this is um this is me right here, like in a nutshell as a as a bow hunter. I've probably killed about a hundred deer now with my bow, probably eighty of them being axis deer, and every time I go in the field where there's deer. I feel like it's my first time. I get super nervous. I get doe fever. Like if I see a doe, I start freaking out. I'm like, like almost shaking. Like I get so excited. It's like my first time again. And um, I feel like a rookie. I make rookie mistakes. I never feel like I've killed a hundred deer. It's such a trip. And and every time I get one on the ground, I feel like it's a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way to handle it, man. I feel that same way too. But I, we should tell the story of the podcast. Uh, what did Rogan call it? The podcast in paradise mm-hmm. where, where it caused a lot of anxiety for Shane because we could have been hunting. Um, yes. And me, me too. But or Sam, can you just, just tell the setup for this, how this happened and where the hell we were? Yeah. So we did the whole podcast in Rogan's room at the, you know, at the hotel. And we sat down around a round table and uh, basically raided the fridge of, whatever beer and whatever else was sitting in there, wine and well, like, liquor. Well, no, like Rogan just got went to the mini bar and took his big gorilla fucking hands yeah, and just, and just grabbed like, it all. grabbed all of the liquor and wine and beer in the mini bar and dumped it on the table around the Zoom recorder where there was five of us sitting. Uh, and then it got, it just got out of control from there. <laughs> it really did. It was, that was a really funny podcast. And, uh, you know, honestly, one of the first ones I had ever been on. And so talk about, you know, getting your feet wet on a podcast that millions of people listen to. Um, but like at that time for me, like 
I was just introducing the bus project. Like Joe had been following along and like watching the build through my Instagram. And so I got to talk a little bit about the bus, but we spent the better part, whatever it was, hour and a half, two hours, like just talking about how amazing Lanai was and everything it had to offer. And, uh, you know, and then there was a lot of different arguments that ensued about stuff that didn't matter at all. That was uh, the worst podcast ever. Yeah. Oh, a drink. It was horrible. <laughs> a, a, a drink was invented. Um, <laughs> I'm actually, the, I'm looking at all the photos from the trip and my hard drive is called Cat Lady um, because yep. I, I had to buy a new hard drive that summer and I named it after the drink. Yeah, but. no, it's a uh, it's this amazing thing that happened there. Yeah, we all got you know pretty pretty drunk. I didn't. Well, I was buzzed, but John Dudley got uh, as drunk as I've seen a human, <laughs> and, and create was putting wine. I don't even remember what the cat lady consisted wine, of. Wine, Red Bull, and tequila. Yeah, wine, Red Bull, and tequila, and was drinking that and arguing with. Joe Rogan of all people about UF uh, about UFC about fighting it was like Tank Abbott did did Tank Abbott fight somebody in particular? That was like a ten minute part of it. <laughs> and I was point, looking at you guys going, dude, are you, are you kidding me? There's deer out there right now. We're arguing about this fight that may or may not have ever happened. Like nobody cares, dude. I know. I remember thinking like, is Joe gonna put this out there? Like there's yeah. no way. There's no way. Um, so yeah, it was just a booze infused, uh, introduction. It was my, I think it was probably all of our first times, um, on, on his show, the madness that is his show. And, um, so go listen to that. It's called podcast in paradise. I can't find the episode number, but if you search, there's pod- no number, there's no, it's number. literally called podcast in paradise. That's it. We were so off the rails. It didn't even need a number. <laughs> uh, there, was, there was nothing in there. Yeah. So I don't know what else came out of that, but you did. I remember Sam, you introduced your bus project, uh, John, and Joe argued about some fight, and while J- John was drinking uh, the ultimate uh, blackout concoction, <laughs> which became afterwards, uh, there was a bunch of meme pages about Cat Lady. I, you, the Cat Lady lived on after that show for quite a for while. For quite a while. Yeah, I haven't heard. I haven't heard about the Cat Lady in years, but uh, in about a, yeah, probably two years. But at that point in 2017, it was, uh, it became a bit of a fad, which was, I worried about that for a long, I, I, there was like sleepless nights where, some, where I was waiting for a news story to break where somebody overdosed <laughs> and, and died. Hashtag uh, cat lady. Hashtag cat lady, you know, but luckily we got out of there unscathed. Uh, I'm sure somebody was entertained by that podcast, but everybody, from what I can remember, Shane, you got a, a buck. You, I think you got two bucks on that first trip, didn't you? Two stags. I two or three. Bucks. Yeah, I think I got three or four deer on that, that hunt. <laughs> yeah. So you, you Oh, yeah, because you up. killed two the last day. Yeah. Yeah, you did. Yep. I killed the one. Sam killed one. John yep. killed how many? I, it's hard See, that's to what you get when you hunt more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, a weird, uh, what a weird concept. Two plus two equals four, Ben. Uh, you spend more time, killed, you yeah. hunt longer, you hunt more, and you get more opportunities. I just I just always remember Shane would just like appear out of the brush onto the road at night, <laughs> just <laughs> red from head to toe, black face paint, just looking like a ghost coming out of the brush. Spooked <laughs> <laughs> about 2,000 deer each day. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I hadn't seen him in like 12 hours. He had aged about five years, and he was... Yeah. He was usually carrying a deer head on his way out. <laughs> That's how we do it. 
But yeah, I mean, that, I, that was the first. I mean, lanai has become a thing that a lot of people do now, and, and thanks to, you know, the Pineapple Brothers who had us down that first year, you know, they're up in their deal. But there is a lot of public land there for all of those that have probably asked uh, a million times me, and I'm sure you, Shane, and, and even you, Sam, for the times that mm-hmm. you've been there. I mean, there's great public land hunts. You can also go with Lanai, with um, the Pineapple Brothers is, is the outfitting group down there that runs out of the Four Seasons. Um, so there's a lot of options to go there, man. And if you really want to experience what we just described, you can you can get it done. Um, you just got to be if you're not willing to pay what it takes to get in with the Pineapple Brothers, you just got to get um, get real and plan it. Uh, you can really um, look at the public land that's there and take advantage. You definitely can. So it's all open for you. Um, we should maybe close by talking about Bob the Butcher because no. Lanai's story is complete without Bob the Butcher. So, Shane, can you give give a Bob the Butcher rundown? Like, What's this guy? Try to describe him the best you can. Oh, man. He, Bob the Butcher is, uh, he's what you would call a Howley guy. Uh, and a, a Howley is, a, is like a, a white dude, basically, from the mainland. And, uh, but Bob moved to Lanai a million years ago, met a local girl, I believe, and has lived on Lanai ever since. And he's, he's like a Lanai boy at heart now and everybody knows him. And he's, he's like the classic Bob, the butcher guy. But if you go and kill four or five deer with your gun or, or if you kill a deer with your bow, you can just literally just pull right up in front of his house. You don't have to call him. You don't have to text him. You just pull right up and he'll drag that deer right out of your truck and you pay a hundred bucks and he'll make the deer however you want. He'll put it in the sausages. He'll, he'll, make really killer rib racks all everything's really like beautifully organized and and very appetizing the way he cuts everything up bags it all perfectly um beautiful presentation he'll put it in a cooler and send it to your house he's just um any he, any he's, and he's the only game in town like that I've, I've and he's incredibly detailed about it's not like he's gonna just add your deer to the rest of the deer and like you know you might get a rib rack from some like gun hunter from some other place he's you're going to get your exact deer every single part he's very meticulous and and he's just a he's always good for a good story and a good conversation as well oh yeah man he's he's a legend um sam you want to try to just describe from your perspective what who he is and kind of what he looks like and yeah i mean super interesting character kind of like a he's bald like semi overweight just kind of like this like stocky like guy and uh like it seems like every time I'd wander over there to like either hang out and talk to him about, you know, have him tell stories about living on the Island or watch him cut up deer, or shoot photos of the whole place. I mean, he was always just singing. Most of the time he didn't have a shirt on. <laughs> like he's just, you know, like, or wearing like just like an apron and shorts, you know, like, I, I like super interesting character to say the least. Oh yeah, man. And is the guy who always has a story for something he's one of the happiest people he'll ever meet. Like he's always engaging. He would sit up and talk to you all night. Like if you, you would, yeah, if you endeavored to sit there with him and his kind of butchering area, skinning area and and have a beer and talk, he would do it as long as you could possibly handle it. Um, I think one of my, sorry about that. Yep. Sam. Oh, I was going to say, I think one of my favorite stories that he told me was I was talking about all the turkeys on Lanai, but there's no spring season. And he was like, oh, man, you just need to come back in the fall when the season's open. We hunt them like quail. And I was like, well, what do you, 
what do you mean? He's like, oh, yeah, we run dogs and we'll flush coveys of turkeys of like three, four hundred. And you can shoot one a day per day of the season. He's like, I shot 27 last year. (laughs) (laughs) So. (laughs) <laughs> oh he's the best yeah so well, if you ever make like it down four turkey hunters on the whole island <laughs> oh right exactly and there's not yeah. a tree bigger than six feet for them to roost in so yeah maybe sleeping in the roost you can walk right up to him and push him out of it um, well, the worst thing about uh bob the butcher is going there in the middle of the day like if you if you kill a deer at like 10 a.m and you throw it in the back of the truck and you drive over there for for me, it's like trying to get in and out of there as quick as I can. But he always wants to like <laughs> chat and like tell stories and like hang out. And I'm like, Bob, dude, I'll come back tonight and hang out for an hour where we can hang out. But right now, dude, I'm putting this deer in your garage and I'm going straight <laughs> back to the field because there's a lot of deer that need me out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I, I would say that going to visit Bob and then you know after the fact I got back to Texas when I lived there and I would like reach in my freezer to grab a uh, you know I keep all my like straps and and loins and you know some of the the cuts I like more in one area of my freezer and I would just reach in and grab something for dinner and I would look and I would know like Bob the butcher's handwriting and I would get so excited when I would see that like the golden ticket from well, you know <laughs> from my freezer that I knew this came from Bob's, uh, Bob's shop. And I knew this came from Lanai. Um, and I knew I was going to get some of the best taste of meat there was. So you can't go down there without, without seeing Bob, you gotta go experience it. Like Shane said, be maybe take, maybe go after the hunt and be ready for a couple of hours of a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good call. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, boys, before we get out of here, um, thanks for spending time with me. Shane, I know you got to get back to the beach, you son of a bitch. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, you want to kind of give everybody your outlook on this, Shane, you know, what you what you think about, you know, how many weeks this might go on or you don't have to give that prediction, but just how you're looking at the future with this quarantine and this pandemic. Oh, man, I don't know. It's a it's a really tough subject for me i mean it's um you know i i have some really good friends that live in spain and in italy and i've been talking to those those friends and they've been indoors and on real lock like actual lockdown not like hawaii you go surfing but an actual lockdown where you can't leave your house for weeks now and it's a dire situation and it's really sad and um you know i really fear that for hawaii hawaii is a really a, a really fragile place, you know, we have very like, um, you know, limited amount of hospital beds and very limited amount of space and, and medical workers. And we have a lot of tourists that come here and, you know, by the hundreds of thousands. And so I'm just a little worried to be honest and just trying to be really safe and, and, and hunker down a little bit more than normal and really, really happy. I have three freezers full of food and probably two freezers full of wild game meat. And, um, my family's happy about that as well. So just trying to get back to the basics and, and um, really appreciate what we have and um, looking forward to the next time I go bow hunting. That's right. That's right. I don't want to end on a sour note, but I just wanted to get that, like get everybody's, you know, perspective on this. Cause that things are important. Yeah. Sam, Sam, you want to give yours where you are now? Yeah. I, th- I think uh, the most important thing is just to realize that even though, you know, people like us are, young and healthy and like probably won't be all that much affected by the whole thing. Like we just have to be conscious of everyone and around us and everyone on the planet really. And know that we're all in this together. Like there's no discrimination 
among anybody. Like we need to unite and just make sure we're keeping any, everybody that we can possibly safe and do what we need to do to, to get through this crappy time. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, boys, let's, uh, whenever this is all over, let's go back to Lanai. Deal? Yes. Yeah. Deal. Let's definitely get, get back together and go hunting again. No doubt. Yeah, man. I miss it. Um, well, thanks so much for taking the time, guys, and um, be safe and keep your family safe, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, you guys. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. See ya. That's it. That's all. I've been asking Phil, the engineer, to rate every uh, podcast. So, Phil, what what do you rate this podcast? Uh, one out of ten. Ten being the best. Uh, you know, I'm going to go ahead and give it a nine. I have not heard it yet. The whole thing. Perfect. Perfect. But I, you know, I've got faith in you and Sam and Shane. So, um, uh, and I think the listeners agree it was a, it was a nine. That's, that's great. You're that's for once you're being positive. And I really enjoy that. I think maybe with this quarantine, you're turning, turning over a new leaf. Yeah. I'm seeing the world in, in a, in a whole new light. All right. Well, thanks to Shane O. Thanks to Sam for the second time being on the quarantine cast um we're gonna have a great great episode for you tomorrow i think tomorrow is steven Rinella and Giannis patelis i don't know if you're familiar with those gentlemen uh they run a program called the meat eater podcast uh some people listen to it i believe and it is uh what i a fine a fine outdoor program so Yanni and Steve tomorrow on the quarantine cast. I think a lot of you will be excited about that. We're going to get an update from Steve on his vacation to Mexico and, and Yanni's quarantine in the mountains of Montana. And then we're going to talk about our hunt in Mexico for coos deer a couple of years back, um, where I first heard about this company that I work for now called Meteor Incorporated from Steve. So it'll be and where we also did, Phil, if you didn't know this, this was definitely BP where uh, Steve and I recorded the first episode of the hunting collective on that trip. So it'll be good to relive those days that were far, far into the BP. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have not listened to that first episode actually, but I will listen to this one. Oh my God. Oh, <laughs> unbelievable. Your dedication just, it's, it's, it's a veil. You pull that veil back. It's ugly, ugly. Um, well, hopefully you listen to this one, Phil. I look forward to it. I always look forward to talking to Steve and Yanni, especially as as Steve said on an all-company call recently, we don't appreciate the people we're around every day until we can't be around them. So it's it's good. It'll be good to check in with those boys and just have fun telling hunting stories. So come back tomorrow for that. That's it. Episode number eight of the Quarantine Cast gone. Come join us for number nine tomorrow. See ya. The Hunting Collective with Ben O'Brien is a part of the Meat Eater Podcast Network. It is produced by Corinne Schneider and engineered by Phil Taylor. You can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TheMeatEater.com, or anywhere podcasts are downloadable. Wherever you listen, leave a five-star review and subscribe. Phil, you watched Tiger King? I started it, Ben. I watched the first two episodes. What? Uh, give me your best description. Give me your best description of Joe Exotic. Um, hero, uh, friend to all, and uh, he uh, should in- he introduce me to his hairstylist and music video director. <laughs> yeah, if anybody is listening to the post-credit sequence right now, uh, Google Here Kitty Kitty by Joe Exotic, and then thank me later.
But yes, this is our first post credits sequence where we're talking about what they will be in the future. And, and that's yeah. really it. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. 